You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. beginning, his readers might say, well, how do you know? John says, I saw him. I looked upon him. I heard him speak. I touched him. He is flesh and blood. He's as real as you and I. No, no, strike that. He's more real than you and I because he was from the beginning, because he pre-existed. His preeminence is everywhere. Have you ever heard of Ripley's Believe It or Not? It was a book that told amazing true stories of people that were honestly hard to believe. In today's message, Pastor Dave shares that many in the early church began to have doubts about Jesus and the reality of his existence. Do you believe it or not? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapters 1 through 4 as he begins his message, Jesus, a Living Reality. If you found your way to 1 John, John's first epistle, let's read verses 1 through 4. I'll read aloud if you want to follow along silently, please. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness And declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful, glorious time of worship that we had. And it's no coincidence, Lord, that as we worshiped you, the songs that we sang basically go along with everything that is written in 1 John in these four verses. It is a beautiful testimony of how your spirit works in us and through us and guides us because we don't discuss. I don't discuss these things with Mark before he chooses the worship set. And your spirit works in both of us to move forward. And now we present these songs to you in this fashion. And as we sing them, our hearts are overwhelmed by your presence, by your love, by knowing that you continue to pour your heart out upon us through your spirit. So Lord, we thank you for that. And now we ask, Lord, that we would take our hearts and open them wide that we might receive all that you have for us today. My prayer is, Lord, that you would give the church ears to hear what your spirit is going to speak to their hearts today. Help us, Lord, to to let it sink deep into our hearts and find good ground. Let it bring forth fruit and fruit that lasts, Lord, and let us be doers of what your word tells us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this body that has assembled today, these saints that you've put together to worship you and to hear from you. So now, Lord, we know that you don't disappoint and that you will speak to our hearts this morning. So, Father, we thank you for this and we 
just are excited about what you want to show us as we go through this glorious epistle that the Apostle John wrote. So Lord, we give you all praise and honor and glory that's due your name. And we pray this in the precious, most precious name of Jesus. Amen. So I don't know about you, but lately, when I look at the news on TV or read the news on the internet, I have a hard time deciphering what is true and what is false. You guys are probably better at it than I am, but I'm having a difficult time figuring out what's going on. You might have experienced this, though. I can't decide what to believe. I can't really know what's happening and what is not happening. You see, I can't find reality in the news. I can't find reality on the internet. And every time I say that, and it's not even in my notes, but I'm always reminded of that State Farm commercial where the guy meets the girl walking on the street and he, she says, oh, I met my boyfriend on the internet. He said, well, you need to be careful. He said, well, he's a ballet dancer from France. And he says, well, how do you know? Well, it says so on the internet. And then this great big lummox comes. This huge guy walks up with a goofy smile and goes, bonjour. <laughs> Anyhow, this is what happens when we look at the internet when we read the news because reality is a state of things as they actually exist. Reality is what is real. Reality is what is true. I'm looking around the room now. I'm sure most of you remember back in the 70s when they had cassette tapes. Remember those little tiny cassette tapes? Remember when they asked the question, is it real or is it Memorex? Then the commercial changed, and Ella Fitzgerald came out, and she hit this high note, and the wine glass shattered, remember? And they changed the, com the commercial to read, is it live or is it Memorex? And that went on for quite some time. The point of their product that they were selling was, it was so good, the recording on the tape would be so good that you couldn't tell the difference between what was real and what was not. That was what they were saying. I'm having the same problem today, folks. I'm having the same problem today trying to decipher what is fake news and what is real news. I can't decide when I listen what is real and what is false. Because today, reality is muddled. Reality is, is kind of all tangled up somewhere. The truth is there someplace but it's hard to tell the difference because there's so many lies, there's so many inconsistencies, there's so many falsities that are being thrown at us from every angle, folks, from every angle. These falsities are coming at us. What's interesting is not much has changed since the Apostle John wrote this epistle. Not much has changed. In the days when John was living, he was older now, probably in his 80s, there were men who were claiming to be super intellectual powers. They claimed to know what everybody else did not. They had something esoteric, which means only they could know it. They were called themselves the knowledgeable ones. We know them as Gnostics, as Gnostics. They thought themselves to be enlightened to the truth, and only they possessed the truth. And it's interesting, to a Gnostic, the cosmos is divided between a battle between good and evil. 
between matter and spirit, between darkness and light. And one commentator I studied said this, quote, These Gnostics thought that anything in the material realm was inherently evil. Now, why is this important? Well, this was their claim. They were saying that if Jesus was indeed the Son of God, if Jesus was God incarnate, we as Christians would be really naive to think that he would have a physical body. The thought, God cannot be evil. Therefore, Jesus cannot be God because he lived in the material realm. In other words, Jesus may have come in some form of God, like a phantom or something like that, but he was not God incarnate. And that was what was being sent around the churches during the time that John wanted to write this letter. And this was pure heresy. This was false teaching because it was a mutant Christianity. It was a mutated Christianity, and it was circulating through the churches. Because if this were true, and and people actually believed this, which some did, then Jesus was a liar. And in fact, so were his disciples. They were deceivers. And Christianity would be a false religion. So John wanted to address this. Remember, last week when we studied the introduction, we said that this was one of the reasons why John wrote this letter, was to combat this false teaching that was running amok. John wanted to disprove this heresy, and he wanted to make it clear to his readers that not only is Jesus God, but he is a living reality. He's alive and well, even today. In Jesus, there is nothing false, nothing fake, because Jesus is real. This was so important to John that he rebuked this false teaching from the very start of his epistle. John wanted his readers to know that in Jesus, we can find real life. In Jesus, we can find a life that is satisfying. And in Jesus, we can find a life that is complete and full of joy. And this is what John wanted to say right off the bat. So as we come to these first four verses of John's epistle, he tells us that the life of Jesus Christ was real. It is a reality because it was revealed to him and the other disciples. They experienced this life and they continued to experience this life. And he wants to share this life with us. He wants other believers to have this life and this experience. So he begins by saying that the life in Jesus was revealed to him and the other disciples. Let's read verse 1a. That which was from the beginning. John opens his letter by introducing and referring to the uniqueness of Jesus. There's a doctrine here that John is talking about. Does anybody know what it's called? It's called the doctrine of incarnation. The doctrine of incarnation, and it refers to the eternal existence of the second person of the Trinity. God coming to earth as a man. Why is this so important? Because John doesn't want you to believe in a counterfeit Jesus. Because if you believe in a counterfeit Jesus, you're holding on to a counterfeit salvation. And you are going to be sorely upset at the end. John didn't want that to happen to you. You know, even today, there are many false religions and cults in the world. And they have a distorted view of who Jesus is. Did you know? That the Mormons believe that Jesus is the half-brother of Lucifer? 
Did you know that the Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is none other than the appearance of Michael, the archangel? Did you know that Islam believes that Jesus was one of the five great prophets, but not the Son of God? And then, of course, there's the Da Vinci Code, who believes that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and they had a child. Well, see, the main problem is that everybody wants to mold and shape Jesus into their image. And I've said this before, the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created. And we know that God created man. And for centuries later, in thousands and thousands of years, man has been trying to do the same thing. God created man in his image. Man wants to create God in my image. That's what man's been trying to do. Why? Because it's comfortable. And that God doesn't offend. I can believe in any brand of morality I want if I make God in my image. There are no demands to change my life. So John focuses on the deity of Jesus Christ. He uses a phrase that is uniquely his. He calls Jesus the word of life. The word of life. He refers to Jesus in Greek. It's called the logos, the living word, God's word made alive. And here, John is now building on what we studied long time ago in a galaxy far, far away when we opened the gospel of John. Look at the first verses, first four verses of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the light was the light of men. John is saying that Jesus is the language of God. I love what one commentator put it. I like this. I had to share this with you. Christ is the noun of God, Christ is the objective of God, and Christ is the verb of God. He is God's word. He is the living word. Notice that John takes us all the way back. He takes us all the way back to the beginning. He takes us back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And I've said for a long time, and I contend to you, you've heard me say it before, if you can't get past verse 1a of the Bible, in the beginning, God, you better put it away until you can. Because if you can't get past that God pre-existed before everything, you're going to have a hard time with the rest of the Bible. You need to firmly grip on that. But he takes us back to 1-1, in the beginning, God. Here he's saying that which was from the beginning. He's speaking of Jesus. It's interesting that Genesis and Revelations are bookends to the Bible. What starts in Genesis ends in Revelation. All the things that were done in Genesis come to a head in Revelation, including Jesus himself declaring, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. We read that throughout the Gospel of John, we studied it at length, Jesus continued to make himself equal with God. He continued to tell them to believe upon the one whom God sent. My father is in heaven. He continued to say that. John writes, that which was from the beginning concerning the word of life. That which is from the beginning, he's speaking of Jesus Christ. Concerning the word of life, he's speaking of Jesus as the word. And not only is Jesus the living word, but his word carries life to all who would listen to it and believe. And again, we studied at length the wonderful, beautiful words of Peter. In John 6, 68, 
When Jesus was saying, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you can have nothing, you can have no part of me. And people started to leave because it was a hard saying. And people started to leave. And Jesus looked around. He looked at the disciples and said, are you leaving too? But Simon Peter, in verse 68 of chapter 6, answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Here is the living word, eternal life, having the words of eternal life. Here is God's word giving out eternal life. I love that. So John sets this all up. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about this Jesus whom he wants you to know. Then he proceeds to give evidence that Jesus is not a phantom, that Jesus is not some made-up story. He gives evidence that Jesus is real. And he gives the reality. Look at 1B. I'll read the whole, whole thing. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So when John said that which was from the beginning, his readers might say, well, how do you know? John says, I saw him. I looked upon him. I heard him speak. I touched him. He is flesh and blood. He's as real as you and I. No, no, strike that. He's more real than you and I. Because he was from the beginning. Because he pre-existed. His preeminence is everywhere. And it's interesting words that John uses here. You know, when these writers wrote, they were particular with the words that the Holy Spirit gave them to use. And you know, in our language, when we say something, it usually has one meaning. But in Greek, the language, when it was translated, there's so many different meanings to the words. And when he says, we have seen with our eyes, the word is hurao, meaning to stare at, to gaze upon, to discern, to clearly perceive. And I love this. This is fantastic. What did they see? They saw him walk on water. They saw him calm the waves of the sea and the wind of the storm. They saw him feed 5,000 with just some loaves and some fish. They saw him heal the afflicted. They saw his eyes twinkle when he talked about his father in heaven. They saw him weep at Lazarus' tomb. They saw him weep over Jerusalem. They saw so many things. John says if we had written everything that he did, we couldn't put him in the volume of books. We saw we heard, okuyo, meaning they gave audience. They come to their ears. They gave understand him. They heard him speak to the crowds about the kingdom of God. They heard him rebuke the Pharisees. They heard him be gentle with the woman at the issue of blood. They heard him speak and rebuke other disciples. Peter, get behind me, Satan. They heard him speak to Nicodemus. They heard him speak to the Father as they heard him pray. You ever wonder what Jesus' voice sound like? Take a listen. You might hear it. Can you imagine the passion as he prayed to the Father in the garden that night before he was crucified? Imagine the vibrating sound when he rebuked the Pharisees. Fruit of vipers! Hypocrites! Imagine? Or the gentle voice when he looked at the woman trying to touch his rope. And he says, daughter. They heard that. It says they looked upon. Teah Omahe. Look intently. 
to closely examine. They watched everything he did. And this is one thing I love about the chosen. You see them watching everything he did and writing it down. They're looking at him and they're watching him. Remember I said, they, that they asked Peter, what are we going to do? And Peter said, how do we learn to fish? We watched our father. Well, they look at him and they constantly watch him. And they were mesmerized by him, his demeanor. They were mesmerized by his patience, his grace. They were mesmerized. They studied him. It says, our hands have handled Pesalafio. It means to have contact. John spent three and a half years observing Jesus, watching Jesus, listening to him, learning from him, and he even touched him. Maybe as they walked together, he might have put his arm around him, or Jesus put his arm around John. When they greeted each other, maybe they hugged. I don't know. Did John remember Jesus' hands when he washed his feet? Did John remember the nail prints in Jesus' hands when they hung him on a cross? Did John remember these things as he wrote this out? He refutes the Gnostics with this description of Jesus' humanity. He refutes their claim that Jesus didn't have a body. Jesus is the living reality. He had a body. John says, I saw him. I touched him. And he tells his reader, I'm not making this up. This is true. This is not a once upon a time story. Jesus was no phantom. He's real. He's true. He was there. I saw him. He assures his, witness, his readers that this is true. He assures them that he knows what he's talking about. Why is this important? It's important because, friends, it's a well-known fact that Jesus was a historical figure. He did live, but he was also God. And that is something you have to reconcile in your heart. That Jesus not only was God, Jesus is God. He was real, and he is real. And because he came as a man, now he can identify with us. You know, he was in a body. He knows the aches and pains we feel. He never slept on a bed. He slept on the ground. So I imagine he had a few aches and pains when he got up. But he can relate to our pains. He can relate to our, 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 our frailness. He can relate to our infirmities. This one, the, the, the eternal one, that which was from the beginning, the word of life, Jesus, he was revealed to us, John said. He was revealed to us. Ah, I love it. Next, John says, and we experienced him. We experienced him. Look at verse 2. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. Manifested. Fanero, meaning to render apparent, to appear, to show oneself. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were God and you wanted to show yourself to men so you could have a relationship with them, how would you do it? How would you tell men about yourself? How would you show them the way back to you? How would you reveal to them the kind of life that you wanted them to live? How would you do that? Yes, God has revealed himself to man through creation. But creation alone could never tell us the story of God's love. God was fully revealed in the word. But in the Old Testament, it only showed us our need for a savior. It only showed us what we need. God revealed himself to, through a man. God revealed himself to his son, Jesus Christ. And remember when we study John 14, 9, 9. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father was revealing himself to men through Jesus Christ. You are You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. Does your heart tend to ride the turbulent waves of the circumstances you find yourself in? 
or you more of that calm, steady sea that's fairly even and consistent? Well, in this book, John wrote to his readers to grow in their zeal and love for God while refuting those who were teaching false things. There is a steadiness that's encouraged, despite the waves of emotion and turmoil that you may face. Having that steadfast focus on God and His promise of eternal life is what can help your heart be at peace and be calm. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time of God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. All you need to know is our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 1 John today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.